0: I'm David Freudberg. Each week at the Humankind on Public Radio podcast, we strive to practice the simple art of listening. At times it can feel like a lost art in our noisy world, and of course not everything is worth listening to. But for me, when I'm able to get centered, listening can be almost a sacred experience, a moment of focused attention that accords the speaker a measure of dignity. If you value this too, Please help others to find our podcast. Consider going to Humankind on Public Radio at iTunes and leave us a kind review. And thanks for listening. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and Documentary Educational Resources. This special project, Aging in Community is supported by the RRF, John A. Hartford, and Boston Foundations, and by the Humankind Program Fund. Transforming our communities into more friendly places for older adults. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg.
1: Aging at home, aging in your community, is possible for a lot of people, but you have to have the supports, the infrastructure in order to be able to do that. Um, You have to have a mode of transportation to get you where you need to go. You have to have a a network of people that that are there for you. Family, friends, neighbors,
0: Laura Poskin directs Age-Friendly Greater Pittsburgh. It's a region in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, that AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, recommended to me as part of its Livable Communities Initiative. These are places cited for their commitment to policies and human relationships that promote quality of life for people of all ages.
1: In Allegheny County, nearly half of people 75 and older live by themselves now that's by choice or by circumstance that's not a problem on its own but we all know that we can't do it alone
0: the age-friendly movement recognizes the fact that ultimately we're all interconnected most families include elders they love And overall, the number of Americans age 65 or older will soon increase to one in five. So the question we'll explore is how to prepare for this new reality. Traffic roars by in the Lawrenceville neighborhood of Pittsburgh, northeast of downtown. It's where local activists like Ted Camerata staged a fun event called The Crossings. They dramatize the need to make crossing the street less dangerous for pedestrians, including older adults who often need extra time.
2: We truly are safer together. If we work at this together and we understand and empathize with one another, we make the whole city, the whole community safer. However, there's no reason we have to be uh, too serious about this. So we're here to dance today. We're going to dance our way
3: to community. The reason
4: I came out today is because a car ran over my foot at 40th and Penn. They didn't put their turn signal on, and um, they made a real tight turn around the uh, corner there. And I had taken one step into the crosswalk, and they ran over my left
1: foot and broke two toes. This is just so essential when you think about aging In community to be able to cross the street.
0: Laura Poskin.
1: And so, one example from the crossings, we met a woman named Rose, and she kind of pulled us aside. We were doing one of these demonstrations, had people of all ages who were participating. She pulls us aside and she said, I have lived in this affordable high rise for five and a half years and I have never once attempted to cross the street. And we looked at her and we said, you are going to cross the street today. And we did.
0: It turns out a lot of her neighbors had actually been hit in that intersection. The light changed too quickly. There were just a lot of safety hazards.
1: That led to follow up conversations with her and with other um, older adults in her building to say, what is it that you need in this intersection in order to make it safe for you to cross the street? And they gave us a number of things that they needed.
0: They said they wanted no turn on red signs. They needed a signal that lets pedestrians start walking before the cars go. They wanted longer time to cross the street.
1: And so a group of us went to the city, and we met with our Department of Mobility and Infrastructure, and they were really open to hearing what they had said. And so over the course of a couple of years, everything takes time, um, little by little, those changes were implemented, and I would get a call on my, you know, a voicemail um, from Jimmy in the building say, saying, I'm watching the no turn on red sign go up and I'm just so thrilled. And, you know, thank you for, for making this happen.
0: When the coronavirus pandemic struck in early 2020, Being connected by internet became practically a lifeline. Those disadvantaged by the digital divide felt left out as never before. It's a gap that Computer Reach, a nonprofit service near Pittsburgh, tries to bridge. They provide free computers and Wi-Fi hotspots to elders and others. Dave Sevick is executive director. I think the biggest problem is isolation. they, they don't feel connected to the community
5: or their families. Um, it, that's the number one thing. We set up their email and their social media and then show them how to use online shopping, how to connect to their doctor online, and that's usually part of the first one-hour visit. And then there could be other visits to
0: follow. It could be multiple visits. About three-fourths of Americans older than 65 now use the Internet, but especially for the uninitiated, computers can be mind-boggling.
5: If you don't set them up, they just push it aside.
0: It's overwhelming. It's confusing. They don't know how to use it. On a hot, humid day, we met at the home of Melvin Lewis in the Harriet Tubman Terrace Senior Apartments, low-income housing in Pittsburgh. A few weeks earlier, Dave had brought him a newly refurbished computer. Melvin told me initially he found it intimidating.
4: When you first set up the computer, I forgot half what you told me after you was gone. I did. And we would get embarrassed as older folks, except me, I'm brash and I just don't care. I, I think it was you then I said, you're going to be hearing from me. They didn't, he didn't make me feel ashamed of calling back and saying, um, I did something stupid. Could you help me through this? It, it didn't make you feel bad about it. And so now I'm learning. I retain that information.
0: Melvin can't afford cable TV. He told me he lives on $600 a month. But online, he can view unlimited videos, a favorite being musical performances. Melvin worked as a professional drummer for many years.
4: I'm still learning. I did my first Zoom session last month. It was interesting to be able to almost, like, see who you're talking to, you know. Yeah, it makes you feel, like, more connected. Um, my, my friend, he's real. His father's 93, and he has his father doing Zoom calls and doing everything. And he, he told me, he said, Melvin, don't be afraid. He's... He's in his 50s, but he said, look, it's just a matter of you're a still smart person. You just learn a little different. He said, I'm going to walk you through this. He'll bug me and call me and say, come on, we're going we're gonna to walk through
0: this on a computer. In the initial year of the pandemic, Computer Reach gave away 3,500 computers, most donated by local companies. At first, many went to school children for whom education was suddenly online. More recently, the group has stepped up its distribution to older adults, and training is essential.
5: How do I get rid try of it? Try to those? right-click on those. Right-click it? Yeah, right-click on it. Move to Uh Delete it, you can just delete it if you want.
4: There you oh, go. there we go. So, you know, your button has a left clicker on or right clicker on? I
5: on. always forget that. Right. Does that make sense? Right. <laughs> so we provide um, every user with a webcam. We also provide them with wi-fi access that's the webcam but we realized especially with COVID, people can't function without a webcam this is a recycled monitor doesn't have a webcam so we just hook it up on a little stand or he can hang it on top of his computer uh, and it's this... a cute little stand
4: you like that hey yeah. even to
5: him he was nice enough
4: when he come in here, he I was did. going to put it on that flimsy thing over He said no, no. And he, he went right out there and he gave me this and I really
5: appreciate that. He was going to try to put that whole thing on that little wooden stand over there. <laughs> I don't think I that had, would work. I th- it was nice and out the goodness of his heart, you probably gave like you as 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 I, table. Had, I got him one of the tables from the yes. warehouse to help him out.
0: February 2020, something disturbing started to unfold at a skilled nursing facility in the suburban town of Kirkland, Washington, near Seattle. Patients at the Life Care Nursing Home there began registering high fevers at an alarming rate. Kurt Triplett, the city manager, recalled the events for KUOW Public Radio. They alerted the King County Public Health that there might be flu going through that Life Care Center. And then What evolved over the next week is that the Kirkland Fire Department essentially became the primary medical care for that facility. They were calling 911 repeatedly. We were going in. We were dealing with patients. We were making decisions on the ground whether to transport that patient or not. And so we've really been front and center for the original
2: response to the Life Care Center.
0: What wasn't yet known is that Kirkland had earned a dubious distinction. It became the original epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak in the United States. The pandemic would eventually claim over half a million American lives, millions worldwide. And it exposed massive problems in American elder care. Denise Botcher of AARP's Louisiana office based in Baton Rouge.
3: The situation in our nation's nursing homes and other long-term care facilities has been alarming since the first COVID outbreak in Washington state. While there may be a sense of relief with vaccines rolling out, much more is needed to protect nursing home residents. The consequence of not acting is that someone's mother or father dies.
2: Nursing homes were ground zero for the
0: COVID pandemic. David Grabowski is professor of health care policy at Harvard Medical School. You have uh, buildings where lots of
2: frail older adults are living in close quarters with one another. Often sharing rooms and bathrooms. You have staff who are moving from room to room, uh, often lacking personal protective equipment, rapid testing, other resources. And so this was a, a perfect storm of sorts in which the asymptomatic spread of COVID came from staff members living in the community, coming to work, unknowingly spreading this down the hall. And once it an outbreak occurred at a facility, it it was really challenging to stop.
3: You know, when I speak to folks young and old about how they wanna live their lives, an overwhelming majority tell me they wanna live at home for as long as possible with the support of family and friends. Helping people to remain in their homes and communities would help alleviate some of the challenges we are facing in our nation's nursing homes. This includes supporting family caregivers who make it possible.
2: And just as as a quick story, You'll recall at one point during the pandemic, the federal government opted to send every nursing home in the country uh, a week or two weeks worth of personal protective equipment. It turned out some facilities received usable personal protective equipment, and that, and that was helpful. Many, however, received gowns that were kid-sized. Uh, a nursing home here in Massachusetts, they mailed me an example of the gown they received. It looked like a trash bag.
0: a third of COVID deaths in America have occurred at nursing homes. Yet a year and a half into the pandemic, about 40 percent of staff there were unvaccinated against the virus. So in August 2021, President Biden ordered that facilities funded by Medicare or Medicaid require their workers be vaccinated. That encompasses over 1.3 million employees. And people at nursing homes weren't the only population impacted by the virus.
6: In the beginning of the pandemic in this country, in my Facebook feeds and on my social media feeds, we were losing Black women in particular every week. Jacqueline Boyd in Chicago
0: founded The Care Plan, a company specializing in the health needs of older minority and LGBT Americans.
6: There weren't enough tests available yet for people to know it was COVID, but I was starting to see in my own communities how this was really ravaging the communities that I'm a part of.
0: Not only tests, but when the vaccine was developed, it too wasn't always accessible in predominantly Black and brown neighborhoods. And another concern hung over how America responded to the pandemic.
6: I think we have historical uh, distrust in Black communities of our healthcare systems and our government, and it's well earned mistrust. You know, when you look at everything from the origins of gynecology being practiced in inhumane ways on slaves, to the the Tuskegee um, experiments, to the way that healthcare access is really limited in many Black communities, insurance is beyond what many Black families can afford. Uh, this is a unfortunately a natural, a natural result of that um, of hundreds of years of distrust and mistreatment.
0: Health inequality in America has a long history. Laura Poskin of Age Friendly Greater Pittsburgh.
1: White women in our region can expect to live to seventy eight, while black men can expect to live to sixty four. It's a difference of more than a decade. What
0: disparities do you think factor into that?
1: Income, education, housing, all the s- social determinants of health, really. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many inequities. We ask people to rate their communities as a place for people to live as they age. And we had 67% of white people 65 and older, 67% said that their community was excellent or very good. We had 39% of our black neighbors 65 and older saying that their community was excellent or very good.
0: What it means for communities to be age-friendly. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, part of our project Aging in Community, and to obtain audio downloads or CDs, please visit humanmedia.org. In the next two decades, more than 10,000 Americans on average will turn 65 years old each day, based on an analysis by the Federal Reserve. And although life expectancy in the U.S. has recently dropped a bit, the typical American is projected to live about 78 years. Sarah Zanton of Johns Hopkins School of Nursing
7: what we've learned from COVID is that people want to be at home, it saves money, it's better for society, and then older adults can be doing things like helping their grandchildren with their homework or, you know, advising a small business or all the other things that older adults can be doing um, if they're home-based.
0: Not all elders can manage to live independently. Patients who've suffered a stroke or who face dementia or other special conditions need extra care. And about 1.4 million Americans currently reside in a long-term care facility, but almost no one wants to end up in a nursing home.
7: If you look at surveys done, you know, since the nineteen sixties, older adults do not want to be in places like that. There are continuing care retirement communities, which is more like you could be in an apartment or an assisted living or a nursing facilities, people people like those, but only about four percent of the US population. Has the money to live in a place like that? So, for the ninety-six, you know, percent of the rest of us, we need to figure out the best possible solutions.
0: And when COVID nineteen hit in twenty twenty, many nursing homes missed the mark. The
2: lack of personal protective equipment nationally was really a travesty, and so we saw this, uh, you know, across the board: facilities lacking masks lacking gowns, lacking gloves. Uh, This was simply unacceptable.
0: David Grabowski of Harvard Medical School has studied nursing home response to the pandemic.
2: One in five facilities was reporting a severe shortage and many others um, were were worried about a a shortage in the future.
0: That said, long-term care facilities often did rise to the occasion. Many vulnerable patients were protected from the ravages of the coronavirus and parts of our healthcare system favor nursing homes.
7: If you're getting out of a um, hospital, for example, it's much easier for a discharge planner to set up a nursing home placement than to set up the um, services that one would need at home. Even though you're less likely to get an infection at home, it's easier for your family. Congress and advocates have been working for a while to switch those. Ins- they call it rebalancing, so that you would rebalancing have more aging in community than aging in institutions. But some of the triggers um, still have not been fixed, where right now you can get into a nursing home, but th- there might be a year-long waiting list for home- home-based services.
0: Improving the feasibility of aging at home has become the mission of a highly regarded program at Johns Hopkins called CAPABLE, which promotes community aging in place. Its co-founder is Professor Sarah Zanton.
7: As a country, we tend to ignore function, physical function. And almost half of healthcare spending is on the 14% of people with functional difficulties. And we we look at function once someone's broken a hip or once they've had a fall. But um, our vision is that ahead of time that people would be screened for what would you like to be able to do what's difficult now and what's the gap between those two things
8: I'm an occupational therapist and I've been practicing for 35 years now
0: Allie Evelyn Gustav works as a clinician with the capable program at Johns Hopkins
8: Occupational therapists generally are the healthcare professionals that help people return to their previous level of function after an injury illness Um, hospitalization, and we focus on people being independent in their activities of daily living, like bathing, dressing, their um, what we call instrumental activities of daily living, like being able to care for their home, cook, clean, do chores. From the moment we step on a person's front porch or knock on that door, we are looking for things that could cause a problem for that individual, whether it's a shaky rail or a slippery step or a doormat that might slide when I put my foot on it. All that's going through my mind before I even ring the doorbell or
0: knock on their door. They go room to room looking to spot anything that might cause a fall, which could be devastating.
8: We want to make sure that there are clear pathways in the person's home so that they can, get, they can walk around safely or wheel themselves around safely. We want to make sure there's decent lighting from room to room. Um, we want to, especially in the bathroom, we want to make sure that people are able to get on and off their toilet safely, in and out of their tub or shower safely. Um, same thing in the bedroom, in and, on and off their bed safely, or reach things in their closet. In the kitchen, we want to make sure people can get into their cabinet safely um, and do activities that they want to do in their kitchen.
0: I met up with Allie on a visit to the home of Patricia Hill in Dundalk, Maryland, working class town once known as Little Appalachia outside Baltimore Patricia was an operating room nurse and today faces a series of ailments that affect her physical functioning she had slipped and suffered a fall at work
7: so that's when everything started with the the knees and now the hips or just from age I'll be 80 and I can't believe it myself <laughs>
0: As part of Capables Free Service, they send a team to evaluate an older adult's living environment. It includes a nurse, an occupational therapist like Allie, and a handiworker who can modify the home to make it safer.
7: The OT came and mark put a mark on the wall, the places where something was needed. And the gentleman he started right outside with the steps coming into the house and uh, he put in a, a, another banister to make one on each side, and the gentleman, he just went from one to the next to the next. Got everything done that was supposed to be done in the same day.
0: It took the handy worker about six hours to complete his tasks, Sarah Zanton.
7: You should be able to walk to the corner store, you should be able to get your mail, um, and cook dinner for your grandchild if you want to and not only from like a moral and human dignity perspective but also we've shown that even though it's pretty non-medical it saves real medical costs it saves about seven times what it costs and that's a combination of um, averting hospitalizations and nursing home admissions
0: In the Spring Hill neighborhood on Pittsburgh's north side, Mark Hall has arrived on a Thursday afternoon for a visit at the home of Jim Schultz, the elder he's volunteering to help out. It's the kind of personal connection that allows age-friendly communities to flourish. We got a smoke
9: alarm because when we were cleaning up, we realized that Jim's was uh, disabled and inoperable. And we got some, a new phone card for more minutes that we're going to try to get
0: set up. And some batteries. Oh, and some cleaning products. Today, Mark accompanied Jim on errands, including a trip to the local Target store. Jim, now 77, is glad for the rides and for the help around the house.
4: I have to walk a quarter mile to a half a mile to get the bus and we I live on a hill, a steep hill. You know it isn't bad walking down, but I try to walk back in the winter time too, you know, the ice and the snow and I got a bad leg.
0: When he was younger, Jim traveled widely for work, building smokestacks at power plants around North America. About forty years ago there was a truck accident that hobbled his leg. He has since divorced, now lives alone does a lot of cooking and is known around Spring Hill for his kindness.
4: And there was an elderly lady across the street from me here and one on the other side, and I used to cook for both of them, you know, made food for both of them, too.
0: And Jim's neighbors have reciprocated, bringing him casseroles and desserts, even gifts for Buddy, Jim's canine constant companion.
4: I used to have a girl down the street here, he used to come up and do my bills for me, you know, every month.
0: Mark told me he's been with Jim on neighborhood walks, which are enjoyable for Jim, and especially popular with the local dogs. He loads up his pockets, is overflowing with dog treats,
9: and he walks down to the dog park, and every house along the way that has a dog out in the yard, he stops and they are all expecting Jim and Buddy. And they come up to the fence, and he gives them dog treats, and it's pretty fun to watch. But there's about, I don't know, eight or ten dogs along the whole
0: route, down and back. Before coming to Pittsburgh, Mark was a longtime employee at Microsoft in Washington State and still works in information technology. About two years ago, I moved out here with my fiancé, from Arizona. He's had a long-standing personal commitment to helping out older adults as a volunteer.
9: When I first got here uh, I was unemployed and finding it difficult to find employment and so I had some extra time and uh, contacted Wesley Family Services because I found out that they had a program where they connected volunteers with seniors who needed uh, various levels of assistance from getting groceries to light yard work, friendly visits, um, you know, reaching something from a high shelf. Uh, And so that was kind of something that I was looking to do. Um, I went through the background check and got a list of people who needed assistance and what type of help they needed
0: and just picked some names on the list. Where does the motivation come from? What, what, what do you think that's all about?
9: Well, I consider myself to be very blessed, or fortunate, or lucky, or however you consider. I, I feel um, very grateful, and uh, that gives me an opportunity to reflect on what I can do with all that gratitude.
0: I visit with a remarkable technology researcher who's also a wheelchair user. He draws on his own experience to help develop devices that assist older adults and others with disabilities. Also we'll learn about the huge network of senior centers in the U.S. that have become a focal point for community. When Humankind continues in a moment.